God's grace and God's peace and God's mercy. These are ours through the risen King, our Lord and our Savior Jesus. We're going to look at the gospel lesson for this morning. I'd like to just lift up these verses again from that story of the rich man and Lazarus. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not come to this place of torment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, which, which life would you rather have? Would you rather have the life of the rich man or would you rather have the life of Lazarus? Now, I know you know the story well enough to probably have already formed a, your answer in your mind, but for just a moment, just wait with your final answer until we do some comparisons, okay? So let's compare. Which life would you rather have? The rich man, dressed in purple, and fine linen, Lazarus, dressed in sores. The rich man, living in luxury every day, Lazarus, living in misery and pain every day. The rich man, all his longings met, Lazarus, longing for the crumbs from the rich man's table. The rich man, Five brothers. Lazarus has no one except a pack of homeless dogs. The rich man died and had a large funeral. Lazarus died and had no funeral. Let's just stop. Let's just stop at that one point of familiarity. Forget about being rich and poor. They both died. And let's just ask each of us on the basis of how we know so far, up to the point of them just dying, which life would you rather have? Okay, I, I know there's more to the story, and I, I know we know that, but if, if we stopped right there at the point of each one dying, go no further than that, which life would you rather have? Be honest now. We would choose the life of the rich man, wouldn't we? Over the life of Lazarus. I mean, none of us, I don't think, would choose Lazarus, would we? Well, let's go back to making our comparisons. For, as you know, there is more to the story than where we've gone. Let's finish the comparisons, and, and then let's make our final choice as to who we would like to be. The rich man. He had a big funeral, but no angels were in attendance. Lazarus, no one in attendance at his funeral other than the angels. The rich man, tormented in eternity for eternity. Lazarus, comforted for eternity throughout eternity. 
the rich man dying every moment but wishing he was dead. Lazarus living every day never to die again. Lazarus' life is looking pretty good now, isn't it? One more comparison to draw between the two men and the two lives. The rich man, as indicated by the fact that he had no name and that God did not know his name, lived and died without trusting in the Lord. Lazarus, as indicated by his name, meaning God is my help, and that God did know his name, lived and died trusting in the Lord. And now our choice of which life we would want to have for ourselves? Choice seems pretty basic and simple, doesn't it, to us? Very easy for us to, to, to knowing what we do, that knowing that there is life after death and that we live that life after death in one of two places, and one of them is a place of torment and the other is a place of, of pure, absolute, unending joy, we would make Lazarus our choice. Wouldn't we? Do you know somebody who wouldn't make that choice? Do you know somebody who would choose the rich man over Lazarus, mostly because they would stop at the point of they both died? I wonder. You know, as Jesus tells the story, how many brothers did the rich man have still living? Five who didn't know the Lord. How about you? Who are your five? Who are the five people in your life that you know right now are living without trusting in the Lord? You know, here's something we can say positive about the rich man. He at least cared about his five brothers, didn't he? Even though it was too late, he still tried to do something. And then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not come to this place of torment. And when that request is met with a negative response, he pleads, no, Father Abraham, he said, if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. Sad to say he was a little bit too late, wasn't he? In caring for them. Now, assuming that the five people in your life whom you know who are living without faith in Jesus are still living, it's not too late, is it? For you to care for them. And I know you do. I, in my notes here, I have it as a question. You do care for them, don't you? You do, I know. You know, just think about it this way, okay? This is the truth. 
Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. At some point in time, someone cared for you. Maybe it was your parents who brought you to the Lord by bringing you to be baptized. Or maybe it was a friend who cared for you and, and shared their faith with you. They told you about Jesus and they shared God's word with you about Jesus. And in sharing their faith with you and God's word with you, they brought you to faith in Jesus. And your life is entirely different because of that, isn't it? Draw another set of comparisons. Because someone cared for you and told you or brought you to Jesus. Instead of living without trust in God, you are living with trust in God. Instead of being condemned for all of your sins, you have been forgiven of all of your sins. Instead of having no hope as you march each day a little bit closer to the day of your dying, you walk each day with your Savior by your side as you approach that day with a sure and certain promise of everlasting life. And all of that is yours because someone cared about you. And it's all yours, not only because they cared about you, but because God went beyond caring about you. God loved you. And he gave his one and only son for you, so that in believing in him, you would not perish, but like Lazarus, have everlasting life. And rest assured of this. With all of his heart, just as God wanted you, so also those five people in your life, your five, he wants them. For they fall under the umbrella of this Bible passage. It is the good and gracious will of God who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, couched in his care and in his love for us, which is simply indicative of the kind of love that God has for the lost, let's each ask ourselves this question that I posed a few moments ago about the five in your life. Take your five. You do care about them, don't you? And you do want them to be in heaven, don't you? I mean, to express it negatively, you don't want them to experience the same fate as did the rich man, do you? So how do we convince them? What do we do? How do we get them to see that without Jesus Christ, they are lost? How does that happen? How do we get this, them to see, to know that Jesus came for them? 
and that Jesus loves them and wants them to be with him forever in heaven. How, how do we do that? Well, what answer was given by Jesus in this parable in response to the pleas of the rich man for his, his five brothers? He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. So does that mean we should... Take a Bible and say, here, read this, throw the word at them? I rather doubt that any of us are thinking along those lines. Instead, I'm going to encourage you to follow Gladys Randall. You don't know Gladys. She has long since gone home to be with her Lord. Gladys was a shut-in member at Holy Cross Lutheran Church who I was privileged to go and visit every month for 24 years. And the first time I went to visit Gladys in her home, she and her husband Irv were together. Gladys was a member at Holy Cross, Irv was not. And we would visit a little bit. In fact, Irv was not only not a member, he was not a believer in Jesus. And so after the pleasantries of my visit would end, and I was about to have a devotion with Gladys and give her communion, Irv would always excuse himself. It's a small house. Their bedroom was just off to the side of their small living room, and, and Irv would go and he would just sit in the bedroom. That went on for years. And then... Irv started to stay in the living room for the devotion. And then came a visit when Irv said to me, and he was 74 years old at the time, I would like to be baptized. You know how that happened? It wasn't through my devotions. It was because of Gladys. His faithful, loving wife praying for her husband all those years. His faithful, loving wife Gladys living out her faith in front of Irv all those years. Her, his faithful wife Gladys giving expression of her faith in Jesus to Irv over all those years. I did Gladys' funeral. I also did Irv's. They're both in heaven. But in particular, Irv is there because of Gladys. You can do what Gladys did. Who are your five? For their eternity's sake, live out your faith. Share your faith in Jesus with them. And bring them to your heavenly Father in prayers. God promises to do the rest. Listen to these scriptures. 
Isaiah 55, verse 10. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 where Paul writes, what after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. God bless you as you share with your five the word and as you live out your faith before your five in Jesus and as you pray for your five as that seed of the word is planted in their hearts so that in heaven you'll be there with your five. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.